Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. As always, I'm Brendan. I'm Taylor. And Taylor, the Sabres' first game action since February 1st did not go well, to be <laughs> to be completely honest. It was an atrocity. It was brutal. It was rough. We all know a tough 7-2 loss against the Calgary Flames, in which the Sabres got out to an early 2-0 lead after the first period, scoring two goals on only three shots. And it all went downhill from there as the Flames came roaring back in the second period. They ended up scoring four goals in a five-minute and 22-second span. The Sabres really just did not have it. It was a tough one to watch. You would expect them to be coming out of the gates a little bit slow again, which was in their first game action in a week and a half. But do you have any thoughts on the game at all that you'd like to share? Uh, if there is any. I mean, It's it, it, a, a real burn-the-tape type game. So I don't have too many. They look kind of like a team that uh, was on, uh, you know what? It reminded me of uh, the performance I put in when I have a 10 day vacation, Mm. my first day back at work. It looks a lot like that. Some of the times, luckily I don't have to face anyone and I can just kind of, you know, do more the rest of the week. I don't like lose seven to two or whatever at my job, but yeah, that's hopefully it was just that because yeah, that was, uh, to to have a point where they scored four times in seven minutes that was not accompanied by like a total goalie meltdown and uh, that they were up 30 to four in shots. That's it's stunning. And they, they, the Sabres really never seemed to figure it out from there. I know they went up to nothing, but that was really just two really nice individual plays. There was never a time when I thought, Oh, they're playing super well. Um, and I, like I said, I don't think it was really a, a totally a goaltending thing, but it also, I think you have to get like a save in there at one point. So I think, I think at some point I would have pulled UPL. Yeah. Like you have no shortage of goalies at this point. You have three guys that can play. I obviously not in any given game, but you know what I mean? It's not like any of these guys is exhausted or whatever. So I would have pulled UPL there just maybe just not even on principle, but like on, you give up four goals uh, in that period of time, like you got to come out. Maybe that's, you know, some kind of reset. It, fu- it basically functions as a de facto timeout. But aside from that, I don't have anything to say. And uh, hopefully we can leave that behind quickly as we head out to the West Coast. Absolutely. And so the Sabres kick off uh, West Coast road trip starting off on Monday night against the Kings. We're recording this earlier in the day on Monday as we did not record on Sunday due to the Rihanna concert that took place. But 
in response to that brutal loss. Against Hold on, just like real quick. Did you see the people? Uh, I saw it from two people, like pretty much simultaneously, that said Rihanna is addressing the Galactic Senate. <laughs> oh my God, I did not see that, but that is <laughs> beyond perfect. Could you text me that if you know where the tweet is? Yeah, let me see if I can find it. Okay, cool. But in response to that 7 2 loss against Calgary on Sunday at practice, Don Granado switched up the lines a bit, which I think is something that was probably needed. I think it's it's not a bad thing to, to get a fresh look here, but I'm not necessarily sure that I agree with the changes that were made. And so, what we're going to do now, we're going to go through what Granado's changes were talk about that a little bit and then we're going to talk about what we would like to see the line combinations to be moving forward or at least for the next stretch of games here so and it's also important to say too we don't know if these will actually end up being the line combinations in monday's game against the kings it could have just been granado trying to give a fresh look at things at practice and they could very well go back to where they were look at what they were doing before but i think we can all agree though that at this stage of the game, it's not a bad thing to maybe get a new look and get some some fresh looks there, just as, of course, we've still had really solid, consistent production from the top line, by and large, throughout the year. But we know the Quinn-Cousins-Paterka line has been struggling a bit as of late. Krebs is a guy that it seems like has been really deserving of a, a look up the lineup a little bit there. Asplund's been out of the lineup. So it's, it's, it's fair to look at this now and say, hey, maybe we need to make some changes. So... Granado in Sunday's practice headlines as follows. Top line of Skinner, Cousins, and Tuck. Second line, do not like this one. Thompson between Middlestat and Opozo. A third line of Jost between Asplund and Olofsson. A fourth line of Krebs between Gergensens and Quinn. And J.J. Paterko was the extra forward during those drills. I'll go first here, Taylor. There's... A lot that I really don't like about this. I don't like Thompson being paired with Middlestat and Opozo. I can, I guess, if you had another third guy there going with Thompson and Middlestat, I guess you could do that. I would see how that would work. But again, you're putting Thompson with arguably your two worst skaters. And I don't really love that very much. The top line, Skinner, Cousins, and Tuck, I think that that's, that's good. fine. It's good. But again, I don't know if that's the, the switch that I would have made to the top line. We'll get into that in a minute. The third line, Asplund, Jost, and Olofsson. I don't really love it. I mean, you have two more defensive guys out there with Olofsson, but you don't really have anybody that's as much of, I guess, of a, a facilitator that you would like to have with someone like Olofsson. Uh, and then the fourth line, you have Gergensen's Krebs and Quinn. I like the idea of playing Krebs with a, a scorer and Quinn, but I don't like them necessarily playing with Gergensen's. However, I could see some merit to that where Gergensen's can be your guy who gets into the dirty areas. He gets into the puck battles in the offensive zone in the corner and is able to maybe through his physicality, free up some of the offensive play of Krebs and Quinn there. But again, I don't necessarily think that this is the look that I would have wanted them to take if they were going to, if they are going to actually switch up the line. But what are your, what are your, before we get into what we think, what the line should be, what are your thoughts on these combinations? Well, in theory, cousin Skinner tuck, that's like a good line, but just before you get to anything else, I don't know. I'm kind of torn on breaking up the top line. Cause like it's the three best forwards, no doubt. And we've talked about lineup optimization in the past. You want your, you, you basically want good guys in every line. You don't really just want to put your three best forwards together and then have, you know, less talent from there. However, those guys have awesome chemistry. It's not just that they're three really good players playing together or that they 
kind of when Tuck showed up last year, it it helped bring Thompson to another level and get Skinner back to where he was in previous years. It you've seen some of the goals this year where it's almost like like the one Tuck pass people compared to like the no look D Wade pass to LeBron in the the Heat era. Like you've seen some really cool stuff from them. So I don't know if I want to break that up. And then if you are going to break it up, like good Lord almighty, I don't want Casey Middlestad on the second line. And this is another thing I'm torn on because I think we have to recognize that as much as cousins has played really well, and he's been really consistently good. Paterka hasn't been consistently productive and nope. Quinn hasn't been consistently good, which is not that big of a deal. Cause they're rookies. Like that's kind of what you expect from rookies who aren't like the top, upper upper echelon rookies like the guys that are just pretty good rookies you don't you don't expect them to be consistently really good the first time they have to play an 82 game season on the other hand you're trying to make the playoffs still this year so you want to try something and having a long season like the nhl has gives you some room to experiment if that's what they want to do seeing how especially the top line guys do can they bring like success to other parts of the lineup uh more so than just playing with each other hey maybe but you know what i'm pretty sure isn't going to work Thompson Middlestad Oposo. Like, yeah. That doesn't sound good at all uh, to me. I don't, I know, like, you don't want, if you're looking at a, you're starting a line with Thompson and Middlestad, I don't know why you'd be doing that. But if you were doing that, you would have to look at it and be like, well, those guys aren't great in their own zone. Maybe we throw in a winger who is like Oposo. But shit, I'm looking at that now. I'd rather have Gergensen's there. Oof. I know it's it's not the right wing, or it's not, it's not the correct hand, I should say. But like, I don't know. You can make that work better than this. And then, I mean, Jost and Olofsson staying together is good, in my opinion, just because Jost has been very good for Olofsson. Asplund going there? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and the last one, Krebs, Gergensen's Quinn. I mean, that, I don't know. I guess I'd have to see what that looked like in, in, like, in like an actual game before I judged it. But that that's very strange to me. Um yeah, Can I give you I, what I would like my ideal lineup to be? What? All right. So for starters here, it's pretty, as you had said before, there's really good chemistry among that top line. But I think that there is specifically really good chemistry between Tage and Tuck. And I think that their styles complement each other really well. Two other guys that I think complemented each other really well. And I've been saying for probably like two years now that these guys should get an extended look together is Skinner and Cousins. I think that they both have very complementary styles of play, and I think that they have worked well together in the limited minutes. I know they played together a little bit more last year than this year, but they've looked really good together in that time. And again, just complementary skill sets. So what I would do is I would swap. I would bring Quinn up to the top line because you have to think that the focus of the attention there is going to be on Tage and on Talk2 for that matter. But... What they give you in the offensive zone, you have Tuck, who is a guy that really plays that kind of power forward style there where he, all, as much as he has finishing ability at the same time, he's also a good playmaker there. He's good in battles and along the walls. Tage is has been pretty solid at just about everything, but specifically one thing that he's good at along with his goal scoring is his ability to make plays in and around the net and facilitate the puck in tight with guys on him around the net. Jack Quinn is a really good finisher around the net. And so to me, it kind of makes sense to put Quinn up there on that top line where you have two guys who are going to take that attention and then 
because of how good Tage is with the puck on his stick around the net, you could have Quinn there as your finisher where he's not going to get as much attention as Tage is going to. You're going to get him consistently offensive zone situations there. And I think that that maybe is going to help you free up his game a little bit. It gives him some confidence on the top line while we're at it too. And how, if the worst that comes out of it is that Quinn is able to get some, you know, bank some assists there or some secondary assists or even put away some, some dirty goals in front of the net as a result of playing with your two best forwards, two, two of your best forwards, whatever. I think that that's a, a definitely a good thing. Then onto the second line. So as I had said before, I, I've been banging the drum on this for a bit. I have just since the, both of them, you know, were on the team consistently. Well, you're together. usually uh, a lead singer. Why are you banging a drum? Ah, nicely Oops. done. Oops. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Good pun. Nice. I feel uh, like you should be singing about it. It's easier to get a point across. Well, I'm going to sing it from the mountaintops then. Play Skinner and Cousins together. As we were talking about on the top line with those complementary skill sets, Cousins, as we said last episode or, or a couple episodes, whatever, he is probably the best forward on the team, maybe even the best player on the team at zone entries, at controlled zone entries. And so... I really like what he gives you with regard to that, with regard to his playmaking ability, with his play driving ability, with his ability to just facilitate his hard no style that he plays. Skinner is a guy that we know makes a lot of his money in and around the net in a, in a different way to Quinn, albeit, but Skinner's really good at those dirty goals there. And I think that those two together work really, really well. And I think you put Paterka with them too, where you can have somebody who, where Paterka is kind of like that pure facilitator there on that line as well. So I think those three together works really nicely. So it's minor changes to the top six. Now the bottom six is where I really kind of change things up pretty drastically. My third line, I'm moving Jost to the wing and I'm playing him with Krebs in the middle and Olofsson on the right-hand side. So Jost, Krebs, and Olafson. I think Krebs is more than deserving of getting a look up the lineup or getting a look with more offensively inclined players than Gergensen's and Opozo. I know in Granado's lines, he has him playing with Quinn. And I think that also could be a really nice pairing potentially, but I, albeit, I don't know about with Gergensen's, but I like this because Vic, as we know, we have seen improved five on five play from him throughout this year, but he still isn't the best player in his own zone. And so you're putting, two guys with him who have been maybe two of your best defensive forwards for the past two months. And you're also giving him a pure facilitator in Krebs. And you have a guy who's going to be able to be a strong four checker and get into some of the dirty areas like Jost there. And I think that the three of them work really well together. Then that makes my fourth line Gergensen's Opozo and Milstadt centering them. We've been saying that, Granado trying to make Casey into this offensive player. It just hasn't been working. He's been getting looks throughout the year. It was especially a problem earlier on in the season that he was just getting looks that it just did not feel like were deserving of, of how he was playing at the time. So this move, I don't even necessarily think of it as a demotion as much as let's see if Middlestad can do in a way what Krebs did, which is adjust his game to what is going to make you an effective NHL player. And I think Middlestat playing him in that role where you have two very defensive-minded guys with him and Opozo and Gergensen's could be a strong fourth line for you, as we talked about with both of those guys before. Neither Gergensen's nor Opozo are necessarily burners out there when it comes to skating, and I think that kind of fits in line with Middlestat a little bit. Middlestat... You know, he has his bursts at some points, but 
you're not going to have to worry about him being on a line with two really fast run and gun type of players. If you're moving him up the lineup there. And I think that moving him into this defensive role is how you're going to maximize what you can get out of middle step. Because as we talked about during our mailbag, he's just been far too inconsistent this year and throughout his career, really for that matter. But really this season, it's just been so, so inconsistent and, have been wanting more and more to see him be the guy that we saw at the end of the 2021 season. You know, when Granado takes over, Middlestat moves into, uh, you know, better situations with Granado. Granado is putting him in situations to succeed. Middlestat seems like he has a little bit of a burst that he didn't have before, is able to keep up and play at an NHL pace in a way that he really wasn't before, playing with a little bit more confidence than he was before. And, that's the thing. We just haven't seen that consistently enough here. And so what I like about that fourth line, like I said, it gives you a lot of, I think, defensive stability, but also middle stat has the ability at times to give you a little bit of a scoring pop there. And you can have that on your fourth line with two defensively responsible forwards as compared to having middle stat playing up the lineup more where he is far more likely to be a liability at times with more skilled players in those kind of offensive situations where you need somebody who's going to be able to finish for you a little bit more. So again, just to reiterate my lines, if it were up to me would be Tage centering Quinn and tuck cousins centering Skinner and Paterka Krebs centering Jost and Olofsson and Middlestat centering Gergensen's and Opozo. What are your thoughts on those line combos, Taylor? I like it. I like that better than the one Granada put out, to be honest with you. <laughs> Any it notes? Just, anything you change? I just see the logic immediately. Not just because you explained it. It just, even if you didn't explain it, you just gave me those lines. I can, I can see it. But there's nothing, there's no real perfect solution for the fourth line unless, you know, middle stat starts to consistently play well. But yeah, I, I like Thompson and Tuck staying together. I think they've been great for each other. Like, I know it's easy to say when Tuck showed up, it was better for Thompson, but Tuck never produced like this in in Vegas. So this has been good for him too. And Skinner and Cousins, like I see the, the skill set thing there. It's I think it's good to, to spread out the young guys on different lines. So none of the, like, I, I like the chemistry that Paterka and uh, Quinn have developed with each other, but I think it, you know, it, it might be better to spread those guys out so that you don't have to have two very young guys on one line. Well, and I think also with that, too, we saw early in the year before Quinn had joined that line, Paterka and Cousins did have some really strong chemistry together, too. And so maybe it's a matter of trying to see if you can reignite that chemistry a little bit with a new guy and maybe Skinner's the the missing piece to make that happen. Yeah, you know, what? honestly, I feel like in general, because the Sabres have scored. I don't know. I don't know where they are in goals at the moment. They're not very high in games played, but goals per game. They're still top five. Uh, they've scored this year. And I know they don't play good team defense with their forwards because uh, just off the top of my head, I'd say really it's like Oposo Gergensen's tuck, Jost to an extent. Not a lot of other guys are all that great in their own zone. You can't really scheme your way out of that. They're just, it's not a skill set that's really common on the team yet. And you would hope, well, Cousins is actually pretty solid in his own end. But you Krebs hope, has gotten co- better, of course. Yeah, Cousins too. and Krebs in Paterka are the guys you're like, you hope they develop into really solid defensive forwards. Like we've said before about Skinner, like some guys that will never happen for, maybe it'll never happen for Jack, Jack Quinn and his, his lot in life is to be a 30 goal scorer on your second line, which would be very nice. Like, so so basically what I'm saying is you got to hope for development in that area. I don't think you can really arrange the lines in a way that it helps you in that way. So that kind of brings us back to our other issue that we're not going to get into today that we've gotten into a million times that you have three, not that great defensemen. It's hard to, 
that's the problem. You need you need a big personnel upgrades in that area, hopefully in the offseason. And then goaltending. You're not your goalies aren't really gonna steal you games. So yeah, the power play's been solid. I think really with we really want out of these forward lines is to kind of recapture where they were before the all-star break. But on the other hand, I know these Carolina and Calgary games have been bad, but on one hand, Carolina is just way better than the Sabres. Um, you might've seen on Twitter last night, I've officially changed my Stanley cup prediction. Um, and then Calgary, whatever you got blown, you got your doors blown off after a 10 day break. So show up for this West coast trip. And uh, I don't think you need to make drastic changes just yet. Uh, and before we talk about, unless you have one more thing to say about this, before yeah, I was to gonna this. say I think more than it being about drastic changes, it's just about optimizing the lineup for what you have right now. I mean, are changes going to be necessary at some point? And rather than changes, just like additions, yeah, a hundred percent. But you still have the bones of a good enough roster right now to stay in this playoff hunt right now. And obviously the Sabres are still very firmly in it in a, in a seven to two loss after having 10 days off does not by any mean disqualify them from being a playoff contender here, but optimize what you have here, realize who is going to complement each other well, and, you know, just be smart about deployment when it comes to that too, especially when it comes to what your defensive deployment is going to look like, given the fact that, like you said, there's three good defensemen on this team and there's three not so good defensemen on this team even though that bottom pair has been playing a little bit better lately and Yoki Haru hasn't looked as bad with power dragging him around. But again, you're, these are all things that are going to need to be upgraded in the off season anyways. But how about we hear a word from our sponsors? Well, the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially throughout the spring and summer. Folks, you might know football is over forever. So you're probably wondering what you're going to do. Well, with tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and heat, feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $100. Sorry, $1,000. Wow. Risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. And don't forget, with the NHL playoffs are coming up in less than two months, as are the NBA playoffs and the NCAA tournament. So there's quite a few things coming up. Plus, same game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props. Your betting options feel endless. So, that, folks, this is normally where I would talk about um, a thing that I would bet on. I would like to point out that I was correct. Travis Kelsey did, in fact, score a touchdown. So the advice I gave here this section on Thursday that might be a first I also made a bet that was correct this week I won two dollars and fifty cents off of it of Mahomes um, over touchdowns in the Super Bowl so thank you Patrick anyway best of all DraftKings is safe secure and reliable you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now use promo code THPN make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to a thousand dollars that's promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and responsible gambling resources. All right, everyone. So, you know, people are always talking about making changes. Big changes. And that's all well and good. But a lot of the time, it's pretty unrealistic. For example, I said uh, I was going to be a whole different tailor in 2023. I was going to go for a 10-mile run every day. You know what? I didn't do it. But I've actually found that the smallest changes to your routine can make a biggest impact. In the same way, 
you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be part of a big change with something you use every day, like my Raycons. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. So, for example, you can use your Raycon headphones uh, when you're going to the gym, if you're trying to do that more this year. You go on a walk. The weather's actually going to be nice a few days this week here in western New York. If you're doing the dishes, if you had a Super Bowl party yesterday and you had a little cleaning to do still, throw in those Raycons, get the job done, make some positive changes. Whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low-latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that'll last all night at your next party, Raycon's got you covered. And yep, Raycon's start at half the price of other premium audio brands, so you don't even have to choose between products. You can get <laughs> you can get one of each, a pair and a spare, and still pay less than you would with some of the other guys. So if you have uh, one of those people that loses things every once in a while, easy to lose these. They're not that big. Any kind of earphone, you know. AirPods these days, all, all these kinds of headphones, wireless headphones. You know, there's no wires attached to them anymore. It's so easy to lose them. That's why you get two pairs for less than you would pay with some of these other brands, and you can throw one of them in a drawer. You always know where it is, and if you lose one, hey, you got this other backup pair. Even if you know you love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options, and every purchase is a free and easy return guarantee. But you're going to like it, so don't worry about that because it's got all these great features such as three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, noise isolation, awareness mode, custom gel tips for perfect, most comfortable in-ear fit, crystal clear call quality, water and sweat resistant, and the everyday earbuds get eight hours of play while the everyday speaker get 11. So ready to buy something small with a big impact? Go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. Now, while we're getting to uh, this Thin Man ad read, I would like to note two things. I had a great time in Nickelback Karaoke on Friday at Thin Man. And second, that uh, our good pal Yvonne of Thin Man um, until Friday believed that Raycon was a company run by mine and Brendan's personal friend, Ray J, who he believed was a guy from South Buffalo. Wait, he didn't know who Ray J was? He knew who Ray J was, but he didn't know it was like Ray J, Ray J. No way. So, he just thought it was some guy named Ray that we were like. Yeah, that we were friends with. And we were like, he was one of our sponsors. So we no, are baby, friends with Ray boy. J, but he's he's not from South Buffalo. All right, the new – Even though he gold. actually – I don't know if you know this. Ray J loves Blackthorn. Well, does he really? I was going to say we need to try and get Ray J out to a Thin Man uh, Thin Man Sabres game sometime. Let's do it. Let me All shoot right. him a text. <laughs> Sounds good. So Thin Man Brewery, folks, as you probably heard before, they have two convenient locations in Western New York on Elmwood Avenue and Chandler Street. However – at this very moment, you can only go to the one on Chandler Street. Uh, the one on Elmwood is under renovations for the next two weeks. They're redoing the entire first floor, tap room, brewery, all that stuff. So it's going to look completely different when it reopens. And Brendan, do you happen to know uh, what's going on when it reopens? Actually, I don't know what's going on. I thought you were playing. I am. Performing I'm there, yeah. Yes. No, I'm. Yeah. March 3rd. Friday night, we're going to be playing from, I believe, 10 to 1 a.m. A little late show there, so it's going to be a really good time. So, again, mark your calendars. Friday, March 3rd, 10 p.m. It's going to be Thin Man's grand opening Friday night event. So make sure you come check it out. It's going to be a great time. 
Yep. And the in the meantime, if you are looking to pick up beer from the Chandler location or one of your grocery stores or whatever, uh, they just released the uh, bourbon uh, barrel aged lager Kohler, which is a Baltic porter. So 12.4 percent uh, ABV. So, you know, maybe you only have a few of those if it's the week. If it's the weekend, go crazy. Try to meet God. Uh, and uh, they also three days ago uh, teased a hazy IPA on Instagram called super freak more on that in the future very interesting so thin man brewery like i said Elmwood locations closed for two weeks for renovations so any of your thin man needs head to the chandler street location and then be sure to be uh at elmwood march 3rd to see is it slow animal or canadas did you say slow animals will be planned slow animals at thin man brewery at their grand reopening and check out how different the uh first floor looks yeah, can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah. All right. So we have uh, three games this week. One against a team that is, I would say, roughly the Sabres caliber, and two bad teams. So let me tell you something right here, pal. Five points, or I'm not going to be happy with this California swing. Hell yeah. I could not agree more. I think at a bare minimum, Bare, bare minimum four points has to be because on top of that, you're also playing against two of the worst home teams in the NHL in Anaheim and San Jose. Yeah. So just along with being two of the worst teams in the NHL, like either way, but. And run by horrible people. No, they're okay. Speaking of which too, against the Kings, we could at least briefly mention this because we've been talking about him. It is seeming more and more likely that Jacob Chekrin is going to end up being a Los Angeles King as the most recent reports have him going to Los Angeles in a deal centered around former eighth overall pick defenseman, Brant Clark, who has a very promising future as an offensive defenseman in the NHL here. Obviously more. What country be... is he from? What country is Brant Clark from? Oh, I, I wonder. Uh, but <laughs> Beyond that, though, there's yeah, there's going to be more pieces to the puzzle there. So we'll see how that transpires in the coming days. The Coyotes held out Chekrin from their game on Saturday night. So it seems like this is going to be happening probably pretty soon. And March 3rd is the trade deadline. So come celebrate the Sabres getting Timo Meyer at Thin Man Brewery on March 3rd. Uh, just kidding. Obviously, he's going to probably go to New Jersey. But anyways, though, back to the West Coast road trip. Yeah, I think four points is the bare minimum here. I'm going to say five. Five? Yeah. yeah. Get a point off LA at least. Contain Adrian Kempe. Yeah, he's been playing great. Four goals in his last game. On... Was there two four-goal games in the same night? Was that on Saturday? Was the yeah. other one? Who I think I so then. Of? Yeah, who else? Who was the other one am I thinking of? I don't know. I If it was on I just know Kempe's was on Saturday. Yeah, Kempe's was Saturday. So did it wasn't Panarin didn't have one, did he? I don't think so. No, Panera did a five-point game. Folks, stay tuned on that. But real quick, Brandon, remember when the West Coast California swing used to be hard? Was what? Remember when it used to be hard? Yeah, not so much anymore. Not so much anymore. I know it's been a couple years since any – well, the Kings were okay last year. But remember like 2014, like the Kings won the cup that year, obviously. The Sabres were terrible. But they had to beat the Sharks and the Ducks in seven games each. Like – Good argument to be made that the three best teams in the NHL that year or three of the top five were in California. And now it's like the Kings are fine. They'll probably make the playoffs again, but partially because the Pacific is so bad. And the other two are terrible. Very, very bad. So very strange. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, Taylor, do you have any other uh, thoughts on the upcoming trip here? I mean, uh, the next game that the Sabres play after Monday will be on Wednesday at 10 o'clock. So more likely than not, we're going to be recording prior to that, unless we record on like Thursday morning and put the episode out then. Probably well, TBD on that, but folks, huge news! It was Panarin that had four goals. On it Saturday. was Panarin. Get out. Okay, wow. there we go. When do you think the last time they had two guys in the same day had four goals? Probably not since my guess is the early nineties. Somebody's got to have matches. that. NHL.com or something has to have that. Yeah, figure it out. Uh, that NHL history lady on Twitter. Yes, if you're listening. Figure that out, please. <laughs> She's definitely not. <laughs> no. Um, no. Any thoughts on the any... Super Bowl? You know, it was a pretty good game. I'm like mm-hmm. everyone else. I was annoyed by the holding call. I, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. It was, it was good. I didn't, I probably wouldn't have been thrilled with either team winning. So it's kind of whatever. I honestly would have been the most mad if the Bengals won because I don't, because I'm, this is going to sound bad, but for the time being, we have to say it's kind of ridiculous to compare Allen to Mahomes. Mahomes is ahead of everyone. Yeah. In fact, Mahomes is ahead of everyone in the history of the NFL through age 27. However, I'm going to hold off and I'm going to say that Allen is still ahead of Burrow. And if you disagree, uh, you can go to hell or whatever, or eat skyline chili. It's the same experience. (laughs) So I'm just glad the Bengals didn't win because it doesn't change anything. And I think if Hertz had won, Hertz had a great game actually. Um, So I I don't know if that would have changed anything. Plus he's in the NFC, but yeah, really interesting game because I was thinking this morning, I was like, why didn't Philly score more in the second half? You know, before their, have your quotes here, Hail Mary attempt at the end. They only had the ball three times in the half because they and the Chiefs had such long drives. They had a field goal drive, a touchdown drive, and a three and out. And granted, you can't have a three and out in that situation, but right. that's not a bad half. No. So. And it was, I mean, but also though, questionable for them to punt, even though they were in their own field territory. I was pretty shocked that they punted on fourth and three. Also shocked Andy Reid didn't go for two to go up. Yeah, at the end of the game, it was a great game, though. I mean, it was entertaining pretty much throughout. It was pretty evenly matched throughout. It was a great quarterback matchup. Hertz really did show out. But man, I just keep thinking about that run that Mahomes had in the fourth quarter on like one and a half legs, pretty much. I mean, that was Mm. insane. It was insane. Maybe he wasn't actually hurt. Maybe he was on his Paul Pierce energy. You think he pooped himself? No, I think he was faking like Paul Pierce. <laughs> well, do you think he was faking because he had to take a shit like Paul Pierce? No, I think maybe he was being a little dramatic. Maybe, honestly, it's more like LeBron energy. Remember in the 2016 finals, LeBron yeah. got hit and he like, it was right after the Kyrie, it was after the block and the Kyrie shot and he went up and he got fouled and he acted like he got shot in the chest and then he got up and hit the free throws. Yeah. Like, I mean, Mahomes, what was that to Mahomes is credit, not credit, but like to that side of it though, at least he was hurt coming into the game. I mean, we knew he was having the issue there with the, the high ankle sprain, but also though that turf sucked the yeah. not or like the half and half bullshit. Why are we still doing this? Like guys are, are, and yes, I'm saying this as somebody who is a salty bills fan about Vaughn and then Trey white last year too. But like, why are we still playing on this surface when we know that it just like drastically increases the chances of guys getting hurt? I mean, like what the hell? I What, what were your thoughts on uh halftime? Good. I thought it was pretty good. I thought Rihanna was great, man. I don't get anybody who is complaining about that for one. I mean, Jesus Christ being pregnant and doing that. Her yeah. voice sounded amazing. It was her first live performance in over five years. 
like holy shit dude the breath control to be doing that while pregnant and being suspended up like that i mean the stage setup i thought was really really cool choreography was pretty wild too with like i think i saw there was like eight thousand backup dancers so it was cool also comment on the commercials can we stop exploiting pat tillman's death what the fuck man yeah no it's it's annoying it's insane. commercials bad bad again like they are every year i don't know i don't oh. i don't actually believe people when they say the commercials used to be funny I think they were always bad, and people there just was had some, bad taste. There was some people used to watch Friends ones, too. There's some memorable ones from over the years that were like funnier, but I mean, it's just the, it seems like the past handful of years they've just been very underwhelming. But yeah, I just wanted to bring up a point about that. Like, yeah, please stop parading this man around as though like he he was outwardly against the war and trying to recruit people to the army. And then also, I mean, that's not even bringing into the equation like how he actually died. Yeah, people should actually just read about that themselves. Please do. The yeah, first I'm time you know it's stunning. There's actually one quote that I had saw too that I wanted to share just with regard to this that I think perfectly encapsulates why that is just so much of a problem of what they were doing. The exact quote was, and this is from somebody who he was in who was he was overseas with, said, When we were in Baghdad, our cots were next to each other. Pat and I used to talk at night before we'd rack out. I don't know how the conversation got brought up, but one night he said that he was afraid that if something happened to him, they would parade him through the streets. And those were his exact words. Quote, I don't want them to parade me through the streets. It just burned into my brain him saying that. And I mean, is that not exactly what has been happening with him and what has just consistently been done over the years? Thankfully, now people more and more are speaking out about it, but it's just so wrong and just dirty and just gross. I mean, not that that, not that we should be surprised by those kind of tactics being used, but like, it's just disgusting. I just felt like I wanted to at least say something about that. I don't know if you have anything else to say, but. No. Yeah. It's just uh, the, the person he's presented as, I, I think in general, the problem with it is it goes right from his career to the decision he made to his death. And there's a whole journey, personal journey in between that gets ignored and it gets ignored for if if you read, you'll see exactly why it gets ignored. So they can do this, but yeah, it's uh, it's worth looking into on your own. It's not something you ever get from uh, really, I guess you would say the quote unquote mainstream media, but really more so the NFL produced media. Yeah. Um, but so, anyway, I mean, yeah, the long also, and short of it is, is he enlisted thinking that he was going to go fight Al Qaeda. He goes to Iraq and then publicly describes. Well, he went the, to Afghanistan first, Afghan- right? And then he publicly described the war as fucking illegal. The Iraq invasion, yeah. The Iraq invasion, yes, exactly. And so, and and also too, he was playing. I've I've also, as I've been reading up on it more and more too. I mean, I'd known about it being a problem too, but I just had found out yesterday from people sharing that he was planning to meet with like Noam Chomsky and yeah. and other like anti-war individuals. And and again, the the story surrounding his death specifically too. It's just it's just disgusting. I don't know. Yeah, it would be a whole. The thing is, if if he lived, I think of a lot of people. I uh, the dying thing clarifies what people think of as a sacrifice. But had he lived, they'd be different from that perspective too. Sure, but it'd also be different um, because what the kind of public figure he would have been in right. two thousand four. Like it's mm-hmm. just it would have been completely different, and I, I he would not. He probably just wouldn't be mentioned in maybe much in NFL broadcasts. He. I don't know. It's a hard thing to prove because it's, you know, I guess like a counterfactual. But yeah, it's it's just really what I think what the NFL does is really dishonest. Uh, yeah, let's be clear. Yeah, he regardless. was not killed in the line of duty. 
Right. No, he was, and that was another thing. That's another part of. I, it was a big story at the time, but it gets overlooked. He was, he was killed in friendly fire, and the military actually lied to his family about that. They lied to everyone about that for forever, for a good long time before it was, before it was uncovered. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot to it. So, like I said, you should you know read about it yourself. Also, one more complaint that's less serious: uh, commercials for the Super Bowl. A commercial, a, ce- a celebrity just showing up is not a commercial. Right. So I don't know. Also, celebrities, what does it matter with these people? I've thought about this forever. It's not just Super Bowl commercials, but like, come on. Why are people that are worth tens of millions of dollars and known for their art, like debasing themselves in this way? These aren't like struggling people in any way. Like, why are you, why is Samuel Jackson hawking credit cards? (laughs) I don't know. I also hate it too. There was the one. I don't even know what the guy's name was, but there, it was on, I honest to God, I think I saw it maybe four or five times where it was like the new King of late night. And they tried to do the whole like oh, meta fucking bullshit commercial <laughs> within a commercial stuff. And I was like, buddy, I will never watch your show. You can't be the King of late night on cable. Right. Come on. The, the King of late night on Fox. Yeah. <laughs> the real King of late night. Who's your favorite late night person ever? Ever. Yeah. Oh God, that's tough. Um, hmm. I think we were robbed of something. Um, our generation, people our age, because well, Letterman was still on for a while when we were around. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think I would have been a huge Letterman guy. Yeah, but then uh, Conan losing yeah. his NBC show, like his. I watched his TBS show from time to time when it was still on. Like that was fine, but mm-hmm. like, so that was annoying. I mean, I like Kimmel, I guess, well enough. Yeah, I Letterman too. Oh, I really liked Craig. Be, oh, Craig Ferguson. You're gonna say, yeah. Letterman, I think, has an advantage too because he was so all about music, and so and I don't know. I think that gives him a leg up too that he would have really, really good bands on, and then they would also do like the post show thing where bands would play however, like whatever it was, like six or seven songs to the audience and everything. Those were always really cool. I admittedly, when he when it was late night before, I know this is like a whole can of worms and stuff. Prior to him getting the Tonight Show and the whole Donald Trump thing, I, re- I loved Fallon when he was on late night. Pre-Tonight Show, Jimmy Fallon was like really, really good good interviews he wasn't hysterically laughing at somebody saying what their favorite color was or whatever like how he just has to like die laughing at everything that somebody says now he wasn't the, talking to paris hilton about nfts the you're right the, but when he was on late night the skits that they did were actually really funny the song parodies that they did were really funny and really creative and I mean, it was really cool, too, that he had the roots as his house band initially. Obviously, he still has the roots and everything like that. But at the time, it was just felt like very new and fresh. And what he was doing was really cool. And it felt like you really felt a lot of the like SNL Jimmy Fallon integration into it without it being like too corny. And now the show is just unwatchable, like really, really corny. And I think a lot of people just after the whole like softball Trump interview thing, I think it just turned a lot of people away from him and understandably so. And uh, yeah, no, I, that, that sucked though. Cause he was late night was a really, really good TV show and he just kind of blew it and just has not been able to like get back to it being good sense. And again, he's just, he laughs at like everything to the point that it's just like annoying. Yeah, like, whereas if you watch like a perfect example, like Colbert, if you watch like Colbert, when he does interviews, 
and somebody says something that's funny, he'll like riff with them without like even cracking a smile. Like he'll like go along with the bit. Whereas somebody says something like moderately humorous to Fallon and he just loses his mind laughing like uncontrollably and like flailing around the desk and stuff. You got to have somebody that's able to like go along with it and to keep it going a little bit and keep people laughing, not just. I don't know. You know what I mean? He also is a big SNL skit laugher, which sometimes people breaking in um, sketches is like hilarious because it it just underscores how funny it is to them and to the audience like. There's a bunch of great sketches where people break. Like even the, it, this includes him, but the um, Debbie Downer one. At I was World. just Debbie Downer or the, uh, what's it called? The Will Ferrell, Christopher Walken, Blue Oyster Cult one. Yeah, that one. Like there's, there's a one, but then like he just, he broke all the time. And so did Horatio Sands in the same era. So it was just like, they ruined it. It wasn't funny anymore. It's just like, it just makes you a bad live performer. If you're constantly laughing every time you're like on stage, it's not right. good. It's the like the novelty of it wears off when you're doing it so much because it's not supposed to be a common thing. And when it does happen, that's what makes it that much more special. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. Brutal, 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 brutal. They should just hire us to have our own late night show. Yeah, uh, no, <laughs> <It'd> be good. <laughs> could have like, can you imagine Canadis as a house band? <laughs> no, I can't. I like how. On Seth Meyers, they have stand-ins all the time. Like, they rotate through, like, famous drummers when Fred Armisen is filming or on tour or something. They'll rotate and have really popular drummers fill in for a whole week. And I think mm. that's pretty cool. I think more – more uh, look for more ways to, like, make late night creative. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, any other hockey thoughts? Paige Thompson's got a nice amount of points right now. Sure does. Sure does. Yes, he does. Uh, and hopefully that won't be the case in a short eight hours, nine hours. If we could only be so lucky. Do you have any other thoughts you'd like to share? Um, Yeah. How about the Tarasenko like trade, actually? Good trade. Tarasenko and Panarin, line mates mm-hmm. for Team Russia at the World Juniors that was held in Buffalo 12 years ago, which they won. Do you know who their third line mate was? Who? Evgeny Kuznetsov. No way. Good team. Good team. Wow. So those guys obviously have chemistry because Panarin had had cut. He'd been in a slump by his standards. And yeah, four goal, five point game as soon as uh, Tarasenko shows up. Yep. Not bad. Pat Kane, not a fan of that move. You see his comments in only... Chicago media. What did he say? <laughs> he pretty much straight up said that he was disappointed because New York was somewhere that he was zeroing in on that he wanted to go to. And now he's like, re- like he's, Still considering his options and whatnot, but he said flat out that he was disappointed that the move happened because that's somewhere that he wanted to end up. In fact, I would say that's the only team that had any real room for him. Mm-hmm. So good luck finding a trade this year. Maybe Dallas. I think da- a lot of people have been connecting him to Dallas. I still feel like that probably. A lot of retention would have to happen. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. All right, Taylor. Any other thoughts before we sign off for the day? Nope. See ya. All right, everyone, we'll be back with a brand new episode on Thursday. But in the meantime, make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast, both the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Check out uh, them on whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode so you can see all of our fellow shows. And follow them on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We could also find us, Straight Up Sabres, Straight Sabres on Twitter, on Spotify, 
Apple Podcast, Google Play, whatever it is that you use, you're using to listen to Straight Up Sabres. Make sure you're also subscribed or following us and leave us a nice review. We'd very, very much appreciate it. And last but not least, make sure you're checking out all of our sponsors and showing them some love. DraftKings and that promo code THPN. Make sure you're also taking advantage of that deal with Raycon. And last but not least, swing by Thin Man Brewery on March 3rd when they open back up. But in the meantime, head over to Thin Man Chandler. Always a good time over there. Once again, we'll be back with a brand new episode on Thursday, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Savers.